Hello everyone and welcome to Refinery Life Australia. I'm Gary Hoban, I'm the Senior Pastor and Lead Elder of Refinery Life Church on the beautiful Gold Coast. If you're on the Gold Coast at any time, feel free to come and join us as we meet together and share the word of our Lord. We meet on Sundays at 9.30 at 222 Turpin Road, Labrador. For more details, you can visit our website, which is www.refinerylife.org. We hope you enjoy this message today and that you really get a touch from God. So this month, we're going to look at lessons from the upper room. And last week we spoke on lessons on love. And today we're discussing upper room lessons on heaven. It's an important topic. We need to know the lessons that are being taught from the upper room. The text we're concentrating on is John 14, 1 to 4. I'm reading from the Amplified Bible. It talks about when Jesus comforts his disciples. It says, Do not let your heart be troubled, afraid, or cowardly. Believe confidently in God and trust in him. Have faith, holding on to it. Rely on it. Keep it going. And believe also in me. Verse 2, in my father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would not have told you, because I am going there to prepare a place for you. Verse 3, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back again and I will take you to myself, so that where I am you may be also. And to the place where I am going, you know the way. How good is this? And the scripture reading that we're, we'll be working through is John 14, 1 to 15. So we've also we've already covered the first few verses, but then we can move through into verse 5. And it says, we'll just move through there. So remember, we're, in the far, we're talking about the Father's house. Jesus is leaving us and he's going to heaven, but he's coming back for us. He's told us that we will be there also. And then in verse 5, Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the only way to God and the real truth and the real life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And then we talk about Jesus' oneness with the Father. In verse 7, if you, have, if you had really known me, you would also have known my Father. From now on you will know him and have seen him. And Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and then we will be satisfied. Do you sense a little bit of unbelief there? And Jesus said in verse 9, Jesus said to him, Have I been with you for so long a time, and you do not know me yet, Philip, nor realize, recognize clearly who I am? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, Show us the Father? Verse 10, do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words I say to you, I do not say on my own initiative or authority, but the Father, abiding continually in me, does his works. He's attesting miracles and acts of power. Verse 11, believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me. Otherwise, believe me because of the very works themselves which you have witnessed. I assure you and most solemnly say to you, Anyone who believes in the Father as Saviour will also do the things that I do, and he will do even greater things than these in extent 
and outreach because I am going to the Father. Verse 13, and I will do whatever you ask me in my name as my representative. This I will do so that the Father may be glorified and celebrated in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name as my representative, I will do it. For if you really love me, you will keep and obey my commandments. Let's pray. Father, we are humbled before yours and we think of the provisions you have made for us. We acknowledge that, that your wondrous love that prompted you to send your only son to provide eternal life for us, Lord Jesus Christ. We do not give today to earn salvation, but we give from our gratitude for our salvation so that Christ may be shared with others. We thank you, Lord, for our salvation. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. We often face the age-old question of life after death, especially as Christians. Deep down in every heart, this question must be answered in order for us to prepare to live. Once we lose faith in the immortality of the soul, there is no lever capable of raising an entire people up again. It is then too late. There's a story of the, the gospel when it was first taken to Britain there was an incident that took place in the court of Edwin, the king of Northumbria. The great hall was lit with torches and a crowd had gathered to hear what the teachers of this new religion had to say. And there was an earl that was quite grim and he stepped forward and he asked, Can the new religion tell us what lies beyond death? Man comes out of the mystery of eternity, passes through the light of this world and disappears into the mystery of eternity beyond. Does this new religion tell us what lies beyond death? And we know Job asked the same question. And in the New Testament, Paul gives us the answer in 2 Timothy 1.10. It says, But now, that the extraordinary purpose and grace has been fully disclosed and realized by us through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who through his incarnation and earthly ministry abolished death, making it null and void, and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Jesus' disciples were also troubled about what happened after death, because Jesus had been telling them that he was going to die on a cross, and the Father would glorify him. In the Gospel of John, Jesus said in John 13.33, Little children, I am no longer with you, or sorry, I am with you only a little longer. You will look to me, and I, as I told the Jews, so I tell you now. Where I am going, you are not able to come. And in John 13, 36, Peter asked Jesus, where are you going? John 14, Jesus gave the answer. He sought to comfort his disciples about what was about to take place. He, took, he wanted to strengthen them for the difficult times in their future. And he promised them a home with him forever. Let's have a look at five very simple facts. First one is Jesus called for his disciples' trust. Jesus never promised his disciples an easy way of life. In fact, he told them that following him would bring many difficulties. And as Christians, if we've been walking with Christ for a while, we will know that that's often the case. Matthew 10, 16, 22 talks about a hard road before them. 
In verse 16, it says, Listen carefully, I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Have no self-serving agenda. There's some ministers need to see that and read it and understand it. Verse 17, Beware of men whose nature is to act in opposition to God, for they will hand you over to the courts and flog you in their synagogues. Verse 18, And you will be brought before the governors and kings for my sake, and as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. Verse 19, But when they hand you over, do not worry about how or what you are to say, for what you are going to say will be given to you within that very hour. For it is not you speaking, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. Brother will betray brother to death, and the father his child, and children will rise up and rebel against their parents and cause them to be put to death. Verse 22, And you will be hated by everyone because of your association with my name. But it is the one who has patiently persevered and endured to the end who will be saved. Jesus also said in Matthew 16, 24, where he talks about discipleship is costly. It says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone wishes to follow me as my disciple, he must deny himself, set aside selfish interests, and take up his cross, expressing a willingness to endure whatever may come, and follow me, believing in me, conforming to my example in living, and if need be, suffering or perhaps dying because of faith in me. But at the same time, Jesus informed his disciples that their trials would be worth it all. And as we go through hardships in this life, we must keep our eyes on Jesus and completely trust him. The second truth, the second fact, is Jesus pointed out his function. He said, I am going to prepare a place for you. Jesus was blazing a way for the disciples. He cleared the way so they could follow in his footsteps. The author of Hebrews spoke of Jesus as our forerunner in Hebrews 6.20. And if you've been looking at our other messages through the week, we're actually working through Hebrews at the moment. But Hebrews 6.20 says, Where Jesus has entered in advance as a forerunner for us, having become a high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Now, in the Roman army, in fact, any army, there were reconnaissance troops. They went ahead of the main body to make it safe for others to follow. And Jesus explained to his disciples that he was blazing a way to heaven so his disciples could follow in his steps. And his resurrection and ascension prove this point. The third fact is Jesus encouraged his disciples by telling of his ultimate triumph. He said, I will come back. History will have a consummation, and that will be Jesus' final victory. Let's have a look at Revelation 1, 4 to 8. It's the message to the seven churches. Verse 1 says, John, to the seven churches that are in the province of Asia, grace be granted to you in peace, inner calm and spiritual well-being from him who is existing forever and who was continually existing in the past. And who is to come and from the seven spirits that are before his throne. Verse 5. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful and trustworthy witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who always loves us, and who always and once and for all 
freed us or washed us from our sins by his blood. It was his sacrificial death. Verse 6, And formed us into the kingdom as his subjects, priests, to his God and Father. To him be the glory and the power and the majesty and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Verse 7, Behold, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him. Even those who pierced him and all the tribes, the nations of the earth, will mourn for over him, realizing their sin and guilt, and anticipation, oh, sorry, and, and anticipating the coming wrath. So it is to be. Amen. Verse 8. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord God, who is existing forever and who was continually existing in the past, and who is to come, the Almighty, the Omnipotent. The ruler of all. The fourth fact was Jesus promised his disciples that they will be with him forever. In Revelation 21, 1-4, John said this, when he talks about the new heaven and earth. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, and for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. It had vanished. And there is no longer any sea and I saw the holy city of New Jerusalem coming down from out of heaven from God, arrayed like a bride, adorned for her husband. And then I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, See, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will live among them. And they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. Verse 4. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will be no longer death. There will no longer be sorrow and anguish or crying or pain, for the former order of things has passed away. How good is this? We, I love reading the Bible. I love working out what it's actually saying to us, trying to understand it. And the fifth fact is John told his disciples that he is the way to heaven. Jesus told his disciples that he is the way to heaven. John 14, 4 to 6, verse 4 says, And to the place where I am going, you know the way. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus said to him in verse 6, I am the only way to God, and the real truth, and the real life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Jesus is the only way, folks. He is the way. He's the only way. Jesus is the truth and he is the only truth. Your truth doesn't matter. My truth doesn't matter. Jesus is the truth and he is the only truth. Jesus is the life and he is the only life. Jesus alone is the way to the Father. He alone can lead us into God's presence without shame or fear. As we finish up today, Jesus promised to prepare a place for us as made certain by his resurrection. In a way, Jesus' resurrection is the pledge of our own resurrection. We are linked to him forever. One day, Jesus will fulfill the promises of the scriptures, every one of them. Psalm 16.11 says, You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. In your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. He has gone to prepare a place for us. And most importantly, he is preparing us for that place. 
We need to remember that this week. God is preparing us. And I really want to encourage you to be diligent with your Bible study time because God has so much more for us than we can get from just going to church once or twice a week or hearing someone else talk about the Word. When you spend time with God, your life will change in amazing ways because God is a Redeemer. There's nothing that's too hard for Him. And He will make you whole, spirit, soul, and body if you let Him. You're important to God. You know that already. But you're also important to us at the refinery. And when it comes to prayer, we believe that God wants to meet your needs and reveal His promises to you. So whatever you're concerned about, whatever you might need prayer for, we want to be there for you. And even if you want to say hi, you can contact us on www.refinerylife.org or via any of our social media channels. And until next time, stay in the blessings.